Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everyone. Football is back, and Bet Online still remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, the easiest. It's the best way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag, join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you so much, Bet Online, for bringing this podcast to the people. Hello, and welcome to Mikey Likes You. I am Mikey Who Likes. You are you who is liked. We have established that. We're beyond that at this point, right? Um, I wanted to do a pretty detailed, but I hope understandable, investigation and explanation of strength. It's a really vague term, especially in the exercise world. People talk about strength. He or she is strong. He is so strong. But no one really takes the time to break it down, analyze strength, and then why it's important, and also how to obtain it. Most people overlook the need for strength because they don't attach it to the idea of health or visually appealing bodies. You think of strong men, you think of weightlifters, you think of powerlifters, and you think of people that are blocky and bulky. And it's not something that most people would find appealing or desirable. This is not going to be debated by me, and I'm not going to push back. Because most people who achieve what would be considered expert level or world-class strength don't have any real consideration or concern for body weight. And this is going to be a basic, because I am a basic man when it comes to the world of science. But this is, I think, pretty understandable that in an attempt to move more weight, If you're a competitive power lifter, uh, a competitive Olympic lifter, um, outside of wanting to stay in a certain weight class, your goal is simply to move more weight in a vacuum. And you're talking about the three power lifts, the deadlift, the bench press, and the squat. Being heavier is of great value to you. So my friends that are power lifters Barring the ones that try to concurrently engage in bodybuilding or some type of physique sport or some type of skill sport where power to weight ratio is is important, like uh, boxing, MMA or any of the combat sports, they're they're big, giant people, men and women. They're just blocky, giant people. They don't have necessarily a very appealing physique. This is true. The unfortunate aspect of this undeniably true statement 
is that when power to rate power to weight ratio is accounted for, development of strength is probably on the training side of things outside of nutrition. Development of strength is the most beneficial thing you can do for your health and for the the appearance of your physique. Okay, so I'm I'm going to kind of unpack all of that because I know that that was a bit of a mouthful. But let's start by just defining strength, what it is. Strength is resistance to outside force or external force. Take a building, for example. The strength of a building has nothing to do with how mobile it is, how much it can move in the wind. You know, in, in Chicago, places like that are real windy. They've Amazing engineers and architects have designed buildings that can sway and move. Um, that has nothing to do with the strength of a building or any type of edifice. The strength of your car. When I talk about the strength of a car, we're not talking about how fast it can go, how much torque it has. You're talking about the strength of the frame, the chassis, and the car. My, my 79 Jeep, my wife and I were having this debate about how safe it might be or might not be because it's a 79, but it's you know 6,000 pounds of pure steel. It's incredibly strong. If someone hit me, it'd be a bad day for that other automobile because it's incredibly strong. It has a lot of resistance to external forces. That doesn't mean it goes very fast. Now, when we were talking about movement or expression of force, that's power. And the two get confused easily because there's been this big mistake. I don't know where it came from where people think of the power lifts and then equate it to strength because the power lifts are the deadlift, the, the squat, and the bench press. And um, power really is the idea of expression of force, how quickly you can move something, how, how much force you can move with, you know, like the, the power, the power of someone's punch. Force equals mass times acceleration, okay? So the power comes in with the acceleration of said mass. Now, strength being resistance to external force can be confusing when you think about lifting weights, but it shouldn't be when you take the time to analyze what it really means to be strong. To be strong means that you have resistance to the external force or the external pressure being that of the weight. The stronger you are, the more strength you have typically Strength is almost always going to be measured by your hips and the muscles around your spine. That is why I encourage people to squat, deadlift, and, and press so greatly because it develops a stronger foundation. Now, you may be saying, well, a building has strong foundation, but it doesn't squat, it doesn't deadlift, it doesn't even move. True. But physiology, when you think about it, the human body... If you stand still with an inert force, let's say I take a, a, a barbell and I'm going to squat it, okay? But instead of squatting it, I unrack it and just stand with it. I can do world record breaking amounts of weight because we're not talking about the ability for me to develop resistance to external force. We're talking about my bones being stacked on top of each other. And that's just the basis of, of physics and, and, and the, you know, all the levers being on top of each other. You know, if I were to break even just a little bit, 
if I had a thousand pounds on my back, I would topple over. So development of strength when we're talking about human performance and, and the weight room is that the ability to resist against an external force as you're moving through those planes. And that becomes incredibly difficult and it becomes incredibly valuable as you get better at it, right? Now you're talking about developing your resistance to external forces using your musculoskeletal system as opposed to just physics, okay? Anyone who engages in grappling sports can know, especially jujitsu, because you play off your back. All right, so let's say you're on your you're you're on your back. Someone's passing your guard or something, or you're in guard. If you are defending yourself and you have your elbow kind of bent like this, it takes very little force for someone to push back on you. If I, you can lock out your body and push against someone's chest with your elbow locked, it's very very powerful. It becomes incredibly hard to kind of break that resistance. So development of strength when it comes to human performance is being able to develop strength in your musculoskeletal system, not just in your bone structure. Um, so when you're going down with a squat and then pausing at the bottom and then coming back up, your ability to develop strength and get better at it um, has a little bit to do, of course, with the size and the ability to contract your leg muscles, but it mostly has to do with the development of your, your entire body, the rigidity, the contraction of your entire body's muscular system as you lower it. And, and the more and more weight you can do that, the stronger those connective tissues, muscles, and things get. Um, so you're developing resilience to an outside force. And that outside force, of course, being the weight the dumbbell, barbell, whatever it may be. Um, when you're doing this and you're achieving success in doing so, right? The muscles around your spine, in your hips, in your booty, in your, your thighs, and then in the deadlift, of course, mostly your hamstrings, your glutes, and your upper back, and then in the press, whether it be overhead press, or it's going to be the front delts and um, your chest and things like that. These muscles all develop a better neurological connection, their ability to fire and relax, contract and relax, and your skill at doing so. And then also their rigidity and their function becomes better. When you apply this with a regulation of caloric intake and other you know, lifestyle methods that are going to improve protein synthesis and metabolic function, you have what everyone, most everyone is looking for and a lean muscular physique. Because I do think that unless you're making a living trying to lift heavy weights, gaining 10 pounds to lift 10 more pounds is pretty foolhardy. Um, and also in an attempt to just try to train like a bodybuilder with hypertrophy um, in mind, while also concurrently trying to regulate calories is a disaster. It is a recipe that is going to leave you so frustrated because you're doing this exercise routine for someone who is trying to engage specifically in hypertrophy or muscle mass building um, with those given rep ranges and those weights chosen without building the initial foundation. And that initial foundation building is what actually presents the body with the ability to look and appear 
um, nice. So my point being is that you're not able to achieve larger, larger muscle mass, you know, to, to, to an aggressive degree when you're talking about professional bodybuilder or even just the guys and gals you know that have lots and lots of muscle. You know, the, the, let's take Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's one of the most famous people on the planet and he has a tremendous amount of muscle mass. You're incapable of even achieving the ability to make the kind of gains you're looking for in a Dwayne The Rock Johnson without building your ability to resist against those forces. And if you don't have the intention of becoming Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you just want to look better when you take your shirt off at the pool and you just want to live longer and feel better as you're doing it, the development of strength is far, far, far more useful and important than the development of hypertrophy, hypertrophy in a vacuum, right? Because hypertrophy development and strength development do have some crossover, all right? So let's, you, you want to separate the two things and make it very clear your intentions because look, whether you're engaging in strength building, whether you're engaging in weight loss, whether you're engaging in writing your own novel, whether you're engaging, you have to have a clear intention of what you're doing, what you're hoping to achieve, Somewhere there has to be thought. There has to be a, a deep level of understanding of what you're hoping to do and what you're hoping to achieve. Now, that can't be everything in anything because I was thinking about it like with Hamlet in comparison to Don Quixote. You know, Don Quixote is a guy who never thought about anything. He just acted. Hamlet was a guy who thought about everything but never – actually put it into action. Of course, there has to be some level of the combination of the two. And these are, these are, that's a pretty clear um, display of what I always talk about. And that is all these latent benefits of weight training that come along with your ability to understand self-control, assessment, finding the middle ground between thinking and acting, these are all those things that you, you, you get such a good boot course, uh, boot camp in when it comes to uh, a crash course or boot. I put the two together, crash course or boot camp into developing these skills. Um, so you have to have that planning, but you also have to just at some point start to act. And in an attempt to make it so that you don't get bogged down doing either, I want to give you the things that you want to think about. And should understand deeply. But I also want to remove a lot of the things that I don't think are going to become very important or or valuable at all. So that you don't overthink about those things, taking away from your ability to kind of just focus on the things that you have a deeper knowledge of and then can apply. With, with that, I mean mostly accessory work and exercise selection. Any of my top tier clients will tell you they oftentimes, well, why can't I do 10 different exercises for chess? And I say because in an attempt to get better at all these 10, you're kind of not focusing on the one or two that are really going to be beneficial to you in the end. And also it takes away that mental energy. And strength development takes a lot of mental energy. So we've analyzed strength. And... Strength is that resistance against an external force, right? And you kind of have to 
first and foremost, when it comes to developing competent strength and improving upon it. And this is a big mistake I made, and I want to start off with it. Most people, they look at it, they're like, I want to lift more. I'm going to bench press more. Therefore, I'm going to go and train and bench press more and more and more. The reality is, is that when we know that it is a resistance to external force, your body has to be a strong structure. And this has become invaluable to me in life and in the weight room. The first thing you want to do is identify deficiencies. If we know and we have gone over, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but if we analyze strength and we know that it is resistance to external force, more important than anything would be to identify weakness, which is going to be you know, someone who is strong, someone who is weak-minded, right? We'd think of someone who is strong-minded who is not easily manipulated. Someone who has an active brain who has strong, solid ideas that he or she has developed enough evidence behind those ideas to be able to be uh, resolute in them, right? That's strong-minded. They're not easily swayed and manipulated. Someone who's weak-minded is. is easily manipulated. And so anyone who, regardless of how strong they are, has deficiencies and weaknesses. And I guess you could say, look, strength training is about attending to those weaknesses. And the biggest weakness we encounter is going to be the weakness of the mind. When we start analyzing our deficiencies and weaknesses, there's there's three main ones, and that's psychological, genetic, and physiological. Okay, So psychological, genetic, and physiological. Start with psychological. Putting a barbell on your back, whether you are an expert powerlifter or you are just doing it for the very first time and preparing to squat is fucking scary and it creates a lot of anxiety in your brain. You are, by nature of being a human being, a creature that has survived for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years um, and not only survived but thrived and, and pulled himself or herself away from the rest of the pack of all not only animals but primates and 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 kind of elevated intellect animals okay you you don't do that by being someone who doesn't concern themselves with dangerous activity you do that by being highly acutely aware of dangerous activities and things that maybe feel like they're going to be painful or dangerous and so there is a deficiency in our minds there's a weakness of mind that must be tended to And development of strength, which is why I harp on it so much with not only my own training but with people I work with, gives you such an incredible level of confidence boost and and such an incredible power to control those weaknesses, those psychological weaknesses and deficiencies. Being able to three rep max 135 in the squat and then a year later the same human being with the same brain and by all practical definitions the same body it may look a little different but the same to come back a year later and do that do 135 uh or sorry do do 275 for three reps 
injury-free with good form. Of course, physiologically, you're changing tremendously. But psychologically, you are a different person. A much different person. And I don't think you're capable of achieving that. This is subjective, but there's enough objective kind of evidence to, to guide you in the right direction when I'm making the statement. But you don't get that same thing by being able to do the hammer press uh, bench machine and you're doing 45 pounds for 12 reps and then two weeks later you could do it for 20 or two months later, right? There is not the same type of psychological strength. You become more resilient psychologically when you're capable of doing these things because it takes a tremendous amount of focus and concentration. And if the focus and concentration isn't there, regardless of how gifted you are genetically, you're going to um, inevitably fail in the journey of developing strength. Okay? You can have a pretty good lack of focus and attention and go in and train six days a week with a high-volume bodybuilding split. You can also do that and really not make much of a gain. I, I can tell you, I don't know about the ladies out there who are watching and listening, but I can tell you there's a lot of young men out there who train what they think to be, they, they're training very hard and training a lot and training for an hour and a half a day, 45 minutes to an hour and a half a day, six days a week doing a double split and, and you know, kind of push-pull legs, whatever. And most people with their clothes on, you will not be able to tell that they work out at all after long periods of time. I was that guy. And I was, you know, 20. Hey, fellas, look, confidence in the bedroom is really important, and I understand it can be embarrassing to try to deal with that if you identify a problem. Well, Blue Chew is here to save the day. Blue Chew, it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. All right? You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is super simple. Sign up at bluechew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part is you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of waiting in line at the pharmacy, going to the doctor's office, zero awkward conversations. It all comes right to your door, and you get to avoid all the stuff that I know you don't want to deal with. Listen, the bedroom, when it goes down, you want to be able to perform. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? So get yourself some Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. Gosh darn it, do we ever thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Remember to use that promo code Mikey at checkout. Oh boy, I'm going to tell you about a spoon. A magic spoon. Growing up, cereal, it was one of the best parts of being a child, right? getting a bowl of cereal, some ice-cold milk. Mmm, it made your whole day. Well, when we're all trying to eat better as adults, why not have the number one ace up your sleeve right in your pantry at all times? And that is Magic Spoon Cereal. It tastes as good, if not better, than all of your favorite childhood cereals. But you don't get any of the junk. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, 
It's just a bunch of regular old sugary cereal with a, some protein powder added in. Oh, no, 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 no. Zero grams of sugar, 13, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories per serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Amazing flavors. I've tried every one, and they're all delicious. Peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle, fruity, cocoa. Oh, man. All of them are delicious. And they, like I said, they all taste as good as your favorite childhood cereals. So head on over to magicspoon.com slash Mikey. Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your entire order. Magic Spoon's so confident in this product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this here episode. Because the same things that apply when it comes to high-volume training like that apply uh, not only with your body, physical stuff, but it applies mentally. Because you there isn't the same level of stakes. You know, when you're getting down to deadlift something that you know is going to be really heavy and you're wrapping your hands around it and you're getting yourself in position, there's a thing that goes and there's a hormonal shift. And then when you complete that lift, there's even more of those positive metabolic, physiological, uh, psychological responses. And having progressive overload, being able to measurably increase your ability to do so, it not only makes you a stronger physical person, it makes you a stronger-minded person. It absolutely does. Um, so these are the things you have to keep in mind. Number one, you got to look for psychological weakness, which you're going to have. All of us, it doesn't matter. I don't care how much of a tough guy you There is a level of psychological weakness when it comes to developing strength. Being able to identify it, assess that, and then work with it, work against it, is a huge component. Okay, moving next to genetic. When you're talking about developing strength, you are going to encounter some genetic weakness or limitation. There is a deficiency there. Basic physics, when you're, you know, taking heavy weights and you're moving them through space, the length of your torso, the length of your femur, the insertion at your hips, all of these things, you know, there's levers and there is, you know, access points that it makes a tremendous difference. People, some people are really, really, really gifted with the ability to deadlift like crazy. And sure, they probably worked hard, but some people are just, they have really short legs and they have, you know, normal size arms or longer arms and they're able to get down and underneath the bar essentially and be able to, to, to drive and, and they have tremendous leverage doing so. Um, some people have the ability to just bring their butt straight down between their legs without even practicing squatting, keeping their torso upright. It has a lot to do with genetic factors. Identifying those genetic limitations or deficiencies or just kind of the cards you were dealt, you know, if we're not going to look at it in a negative fashion, being able to identify those and then train with them as opposed to trying to train through them is going to take you a long way, a long way, because there are some decisions that need to be made. Should I high bar or low bar squat? 
Um, should I sumo deadlift or conventional deadlift? Should I not deadlift at all? Everyone should squat and press. Um, there are going to be those people where it's just it, it, the, the juice is not worth the squeeze with the deadlift. There's not as many of you as you might think, but there is people who are just genetically, they were, you know, if you have really short arms and you're six foot six, I, I was like, really, what are we doing here? We're just setting you up for disaster and there's no point. You're not going to be able to develop enough force over time because of your genetic makeup. So why, why even do this? Let's get you on a trap bar where you can be a little higher up, whatever. You know, you can do rack. There's ways to train around it, but identifying who who you are, what you are, and what your ideal goals are um, with the genetic card you're dealt is something that should be thought of. Okay, um, and and genetic doesn't just have to do with length and, and leverage of, of certain bones and 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 the lever action and things like that. It could also be like maybe maybe you were born with. Uh, cerebral palsy, uh, you know what I'm saying? I just off the top of my head, and uh, disabilities and, and and things like that often come. Disease comes into play. Okay, these are what can be looked at as your genetic card that you're dealt. And the last one is going to be physiological. This is this has to do with the kind of the non meathead aspect of developing strength, and that is like how your motor neurons fire. Some people are gifted athletes. You ever like some people have amazing reaction time. They have amazing ability to um, relax and contract muscle cells. And that all that's all kind of physiological. It's uh, it's not cognitive and it's not necessarily like your physical output. It's it's the way that your brain connects to your body's ability to engage in movement. And that's an aspect that you have to take into consideration. Um, there's the physiological aspect when, and when we're talking about the three big ones, the psychological, the genetic, and then the physiological physiological is one that you, you can't really do much about. It just comes with getting better at something. And that comes with practice. Believe you me, um, regardless of the integrity of your connective tissue, your ability to contract muscles, practicing lifts, developing the skill, getting good and efficient in the movement has a huge carryover because you're getting better at connecting those motor neurons to, you know, the muscles that you're actually trying to fire and relax concurrently. So that is why uh, I always recommend, you know, this is 70-year-old kind of training science. It's not something I uh, came up with off the top of my I'm, I'm so forward-thinking, but I don't think that the average guy and gal who is just looking to look better and feel better has has any kind of recognition of things like the conjugate method and then uh you know old super training i'm looking at super training right here it's like one of the kind of the bible of strength sports and strength training this is why you're going to have days of dynamic or high effort with certain lifts and then in the same week you're going to do the same lift but with much lighter weights just to practice technical form and connection to those motor neurons okay so it's the skill of weightlifting that comes into play all right, so you have your you, you've identified what strength is and that you want to get it. You've identified weaknesses, your own weaknesses or limitations, and you've realized how to best go about training those things. Now let's look at the segments of strength training movements. There's the eccentric or the negative, the isometric, and then the concentric. 
so many people, coaches included, are so deeply focused on the concentric that you're leaving a tremendous amount of strength on the table. And look, there's some desire to do that when you're talking about a competitive strength trainer. If you're a powerlifter, of course, I don't, sometimes you see dudes or gals who are using what will be kind of crazy impractical form, but they just want to get that bar up. So who gives a fuck because I want to win this contest. And I understand that. That has its own character. That's its own territory. That is not really going to be what most of you are looking for. You're looking to develop long-term strength and to continue doing so in an attempt to maybe get a lean muscular physique, right? Okay. Well, having so much emphasis put on strictly the concentric is what leads to most people having injury, okay? Because there may be a person, but I've never seen them, and there certainly isn't any literature about those people that I've ever come across in my geeky ass endeavors that shows that someone is stronger in the concentric portion of the lift. You are much stronger in the negative and in the isometric. It's your ability. The negative is your ability to conserve energy and maintain that, that structure as you're moving through. The isometric, let's say in a squat, for instance, negative, the eccentric being as you're lowering your body down, the barbell on your back. The isometric is going to be that moment where you transfer over, where the very bottom, right? Your pause there. Isometric contraction it means you're not moving. It's that transition from the negative to the positive, eccentric to concentric. There, it, That can be a millisecond. It could be 10 seconds, depending on how you train it. By putting more emphasis on the eccentric and the concentric, because think of the, the isometric as a light switch. That's your ability to transfer over in any athletic movement or any athletic endeavor from relaxation to contraction, okay? If you can bolster that, increase your ability to do so, if you essentially make a more powerful light switch, it's going to affect your power output. So these are things that most people ignore because they're just so consumed with getting the bar up on a bench press. They don't care if it they slam it down, bounce it off their chest, and then get it up with probably 11 spotters. There's so much focus on that concentric that you've kind of lost what is, in my opinion, the most important aspect of developing strength and building that foundation, that resistance to external force. Because what are you expressing right here? It's not resistance to an external force. If it's 315 and you had to bounce it off your chest and wiggle it up and move it, you're talking about momentum. You're talking about um, – you stretch reflex. It's not resistance to that because if you didn't do any of those things, the bouncing and the spotters and the, 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 you wouldn't be able to resist that force. So by kind of looking at the segments of strength development, you can see that maybe checking your ego at the door that goes, that goes up into the last topic we were talking about is weakness and deficiencies. Ego and wanting to impress people on the gram as opposed to wanting to develop strength 
is an absolute psychological deficiency when it comes to attaining strength because uh, I don't really care if you can get 315 off your chest in the bench press when you did a rib-breaking bounce and had 11 guys spot you. There is no increase in resistance to force there. If you were to do a three-second negative, a three-second pause without touching your chest right above your chest and then explode upwards with 135, be a lot more impressive to me. And it would be a lot more impressive for you six months down the road when you've actually made some improvements and in your ability to bench press and develop strength and get back to what that really is, resistance to external force. You've developed much higher resistance to that external force. Okay? So we've kind of gotten into the weeds about uh, what strength is, some of the things you should think about when trying to attain it, all right? Well, how do you go about it? What are the X and O's of strength training? And this is, again, this is not just for you if you're sitting there going like, I, yeah, I want to get stronger. This is for you if you want to have a better looking physique and you're wondering why you've been wasting so much energy in the gym with the diets you've been doing and stuff and you're not getting what you want. It's because there's a complete avoidance about doing this couple reasons. One, it's not that sexy. Your body will be sexy down the road if you do it, but it's not alluring. It's kind of drudgery. It's kind of old school. And uh, people don't like that nowadays. It's not attention grabbing and it's not very marketable. But so what? You know what is attention grabbing and marketable? All the things all you people have been doing that isn't getting you the, the results that you want. All The only result you're getting is a smaller bank account and you're wondering why. Why am I not feeling any better about myself when I look in the mirror? Why am I not more confident to go to the pool and get in my bikini or my swimsuit? I've been doing X and O turbo kick-ass program and Booty Builder 9000, right? Well, because it looks really good. It does. And some people can dress it up. It's really hard to dress up regardless of how you do it. It's really hard to dress up linear progression uh, with a measured amount of weight, a measured amount of resistance, and then being able to, in a linear fashion, over a pretty slow period of time, increase that while concurrently keeping calories and protein intake at a very monitored level. Um, that's way more useful. It's a way bigger deal, but that's a lot harder to sell. It's not fancy. So here's, here's the nuts and bolts of it because as I stated in the beginning, there are going to be very unique both benefits and limitations to you as a person, where you're at in your life, your lifestyle, uh, your training history, your genetic makeup that, you know, there's decisions that need to be made as far as um, exercise selection, what you're looking for, what you're looking to achieve, and also where you're weakest, where you, you know, identifying those weaknesses and, and then kind of accounting for them. All right. That being said, there are a ten, you know, a handful of tenets that you can ride to the bank. And that's what I like to provide to you. This is 
pure in its purest form teaching you to fish as opposed to giving you fish. I can write out a program right now that says these very rigid details and fundamentals, go do it for this rep range. And that is not going to work for a lot of people. Might work for some. Um, and the same thing I do, I do it with diet. Every once in a while, I'll give you these kind of bullet points. And there's going to be people. I had a guy message me on on Patreon. He said, hey, I'm 260 pounds. If I eat a gram of, pound, a, a gram of protein per pound of body weight, I mean, it's 260. Do I really need that much protein? I go, no, no. Um, the obese or the, the overweight, it, these things, you know, it skews the tables. I was giving you very basic bullet points. It doesn't work. So I try to avoid that. And I just want to give you the things that absolutely will work. And that I guarantee that actually, if you were to askew the, the stuff that is in the weeds a bit, and that is debatable, and is only applicable to a smaller segment of the population, if you just really focus that very necessary f- focus and, and, and concentration and your mental limits, your genetic limits, whatever they may be, if they're all guided towards these core fundamental ideas, exercise, rep ranges, whatnot, there will be progress. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, if Louis Simmons, uh, God rest his soul, was training someone at Westside, exercise selection and variety might be very high, but we're talking about world-class powerlifters trying to break world records. That doesn't apply to me as someone with 20 years of training history that is just wanting to perpetually be better and look better. And it doesn't apply to you. And if you are a professional competitive power lifter who has the ideas of breaking world records, there's a different podcast for you. Okay. I'm not saying that to be snarky. What I am saying is that you may go online, you may go into a magazine or somewhere and find this information where it's like, well, you should only be deadlifting and uh, pressing every third week because you should be doing, you know, block presses in the second week and, and, and uh, you know, deficit deadlifts only for a certain amount of time with the reverse hyper, you know. I go, yeah, if you're trying to deadlift over 1,000 pounds and bench press 800-something pounds, these are very applicable ideas. But if you're trying to not be skinny fat and you're trying to feel better about yourself. Uh, that doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. In fact, a- a- applying that mental and physical energy to those things is going to take away from your ability to get out of being skinny fat. Suck it up. Suck it up. The minimalism, maybe even the tedium or boredom of doing these things in this fashion for longer periods of time that is your key to salvation. And it's not just a matter of like, do you physically have the ability to do it? It's like, do you have emotionally and psychologically what, what it takes to do that? It, it, it's a component. So I always break the press and the squat. They become their own category. The deadlift becomes its other. Okay. Because deadlift cannot respond to the same level of volume um, and deadlifts aren't really that useful when it comes to developing that resistance to external force in the higher rep ranges. And 
even practicing the skill of deadlift can be so detrimental to the central nervous system and the, the spine that it's not worth. So press and squat are put into their own category. That's category A. The deadlift is category B. The press and the squat can be done twice a week, should be done twice a week. Once for heavier weight in a smaller rep range, and then once for much considerably lighter weights, trained mostly for recovery and skill development, right? Hitting that neurological uh, development, okay? So I like to start with the squat on a Monday for heavier weight. And for two weeks, I will go for what is my perceived max at seven reps with the squat. Then two weeks after that, I will do five reps. Two weeks after that, I will do three reps. And then the final two weeks, I focus on doubles, two reps. So seven, five, three, and two. Working with on Monday or day one, the squat. And I usually take five to seven sets to get to my maximal set of seven. Every week wanting that maximal set of seven to be, or the following week to be higher, okay? On day one, it is the squat done for that five to seven sets with the final set being that maximal set of seven. After that, I will do three sets of 10 for much lower weights just to practice the skill and the ability and develop those smaller muscles in my spine for the overhead press. So that is kind of my 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 main course and then my dessert on day one would be the press. On day two or Wednesday for me, I will do the overhead press for a heavy set of seven, you know, five to seven sets working up to my maximal set and then do the squat as my dessert for three sets of 10, just working uh, usually about 50 to 60% of my one rep max. I don't want this to tax me or take anything away from me. I just want to get better at squatting and then also just get more blood flow in those muscles that I'm working. All right, that leaves the third and final day of your training week for the deadlift. I always train 10 sets of one, trying to increase it every week. Now, the difference here with the deadlift is I'm not doing seven sets, you know, five to seven sets of seven, five, three to two. I'm sticking with 10 sets of one throughout the entire duration, toggling between either deadlifting from a deficit or deadlifting from a rack, an additional four inches. I like to work with four inches. So either deadlift from a four inch deficit, meaning you're deadlifting while you're standing on a four inch riser or elevate the bar four inches so that you're deadlifting from a little bit higher point. This is up to you. But you have to assess whether or not you find your deficiency in the deadlift to be from the ground or in the lockout. If it's in the lockout, you want to do every other week adding four inches or uh, from a, elevating the bar four inches. Or if it's off the floor, like myself, I deficit, I deficit deadlift or lift where I'm elevating my body so that I have to dig deeper, extending the range of motion, putting more emphasis on my hamstrings and my glutes. I have much better strength development and, and uh, rigidity in my upper back and my traps than I do in my booty and my hamstrings. And so that's where I choose to focus. So 10 sets of one, increasing on both, going back and forth between either from a deficit or an addition and then from the conventional floor deadlift. All right, so those are your three days. On each of the three days, whether it be the day one where you're squatting, 
for emphasis with the supplemental three sets of 10 on the press or the day two where you're pressing five to seven sets and then supplemental squatting. You want to add in kind of supportive work that is going to be incredibly unique to you. The basic stuff that I've laid out, 10 sets of one on Friday of deadlift, deficit or addition, the work of either phase one or phase two of the squat and the press on on Monday and Wednesday, day one and day two. That That is the stuff that I've identified to be absolutely beneficial for you to work on. What you do after that is going to be completely up to you. If you are a endurance runner, you're going to want to maybe work on your aerobic uh, capacity, general physical preparedness for certain sports and athletes, conditioning if you're into uh, combat sports, things like that, or hypertrophy for other body parts that you feel are lagging. There is a place for that. Um, let's say, again, go over just kind of the basic understanding of those rep ranges and sets for hypertrophy versus strength. You know, for strength, we're looking at um, five to seven sets, which is what I recommend, <clears throat> of the rep range being from two to seven. And I stagger those down. And then, uh, according to Super Training, the kind of body build, or excuse me, the strength training Bible that everyone looks to, you're looking at for hypertrophy, six to 12 reps in 60 to 80% of your one rep maximum. And also time under tension is going to be much different for hypertrophy. You want to have those sets last about a minute, 30 seconds to a minute for strength. We're talking incredibly five to 10 seconds, you know, a set should be lasting to maximally develop training. It's going to be a lot harder when you're in that seven rep range, but just to give you some understanding of the slight variations that come with trying to achieve certain things. Um, So again, to repeat, you have your five to seven sets of your maximal stuff on day one for squat. And you're going to, you're going to descend as you go on for over eight weeks, be the first two weeks, seven reps, Second uh, set of weeks, that'd be weeks three and four, you're going to go for five. Weeks five and six, you're going to go for three. Weeks uh, seven and eight, you go for two reps. And that goes for the press and the squat as your main lifts. Five to seven sets working up to that maximal at that rep range. After that, on day one, you, you're done with your squatting. You do three sets of 10, 50 to 60% your one rep maximum of a press. This is, again, just to get blood flow, encourage recovery, and practice your technical ability to do the press. You flip-flop it come day two by starting with five to seven sets, uh, working to a maximal set of seven, five, three, or two in the press, and then after that, three sets of 10 for the squat. Again, encourage blood flow. Uh, practice your technical ability. Encouraging supportive work in your to develop your ability to overall resist against an out external force. And then Friday is devote or day three is going to be devoted to the deadlift, 10 sets of one, toggling back and forth each week between deficit or addition and regular conventional deadlift. I will put all this up at my Patreon. Okay. If you're looking for more extended ability to get assistance, to get accountability, to have someone there with you, I still have availability at my top tier. So go check it out. I'll put a link to my Patreon in the show notes below in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares. Remember I do be good. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.